You're listening to The Lively Show, episode 297. Welcome to The Lively Show. I'm your host, Jess Lively, and this podcast is designed to uplift, inspire, and add a little extra presence to your everyday. Welcome to the show, guys. Thank you so much, as always, for listening. Today's episode is sponsored by Rent the Runway and their Unlimited program. If you haven't heard about it, it is so awesome. For a flat monthly price, you can rent unlimited designer pieces on rotation. So if you're a capsule wardrobe person and you like to have a small wardrobe and also change it up, this could be perfect for you. You get to pick four pieces at a time and keep them as long as you want. And when you're ready for something new, swap any of the pieces for fresh styles. And what I also love, again with this capsule idea, is if you fall in love with the style and you want to add it to your wardrobe, whether it's capsule or not, you can buy it at an exclusive discount and keep it forever. Plus there's free shipping and dry cleaning on every piece, so you don't have to worry about even washing this stuff. Wear it as much as you like, send it back, they'll wash it, and they'll ship it back for free. In addition, they have a great deal for you right now. The best deal, in fact, that they've ever offered on Unlimited. For a limited time, you can get $120 off of your first two months of Unlimited membership by going to renttherunway.com using the code LIVELY19. That's LIVELY19. So if you want to use that, that's $120 off your first two months of Unlimited by going over to renttherunway.com and use the promo code LIVELY19. I hope you love it as much as I have loved using their service. In addition, we also have another sponsor, one of my favorites. You guys have heard me share it before if you've listened to the show, Four Sigmatic. I love drinking Four Sigmatic mochas. It's the reason that I love waking up in the morning. It's so delicious and it has half the caffeine and only 25 calories. You just mix it with hot water. There's no stomach issues, no crash. It's just perfect. I don't really love regular espresso or coffee. It kind of leaves me jittery and on edge, which is why I typically drink tea unless I'm using my Four Sigmatic coffee. Now, I like the mocha mix. It's the green one. You could get it with chaga mushrooms built in, or you can get any of their other superfood elixirs with other superfoods into other different types of products. So there's many different superfood mushrooms and many different other items as well. You can go over to foursigmatic.com lively to check it all out and you can get 15% off your order by using the code lively at checkout. I hope you love it as much as I do. Now let's move on. Where am I? I am in Detroit and getting my life sorted here and actually I'm recording in a new podcast studio here in Detroit. I'm actually recording in the WeWork Detroit. This is not a sponsor or anything like that. It's just literally where I just found myself today, just joined the hot desk, and I'm so excited to be able to come in here and use this on rotation because my place, to be honest, is way too echoey to be used on a regular basis right now with all the cement and the lofty style that it is without any soft furnishings. It's just an echo chamber. Moving into today's episode, today we're doing a client session talking with a client named Kasha Kaczynski about a topic on the mind that really relates to my mind, finding alignment while flowing to a future partner. In this episode, we'll talk about the resistance that comes with worrying about whether you're dating someone that's a future partner or a fling, or when to know when it's time to walk away from a relationship. Plus, we're going to explore how moving beyond the mind can lead to the connection that we've been craving all along. In addition to relationships, we're also going to talk about other popular topics, including healing acne and the most common types of struggle I see the mind create within people. Let's go to the show. How can I help you today? So I have many, many questions. I think I have a good connection with my intuition, but I'd say that the mind has a strong hold on me. You know, like when my intuition is telling me something, I have trouble acting on it because my mind confuses me. 
and tells me that maybe it wasn't my intuition, that maybe I shouldn't follow this advice. And I have problems aligning with action, if you know what I mean. Like I know what I need to do, but I just can't get myself to do it. All right. Okay. So sounds like some resistance in the mind. And the best way to overcome the resistance of the mind is to access the part that doesn't have resistance, which is the part that's not connected to the mind. So wonderful. So you have done some practice with the inner voice work on your own so far? Yes, I've been writing in my journal for years. Uh, It's been only like maybe a year since I started asking my intuition some questions and getting some guidance. I have more trouble accessing it only in my head, like asking myself questions orally and then having getting some answers. So I stick to the writing for now, but I would like to learn to access it anytime and anywhere because sometimes I need to have some guidance and uh, I just can, you know, I don't have any paper or pen with me. One thing you could do if you're out and about, I do this sometimes on my phone. I did it last week, in fact. You can take the notes app on your phone or some kind of writing app on your cell phone. And you can start writing to yourself. I call it text messaging the universe. <laughs> you can use your phone as a writing device if you're used to the writing. And it's very normal. In my experience, personally, it feels very normal to get way more out of the writing in terms of amount of words and direction and content from the inner voice than doing it verbally, silently in your head. That said, it doesn't mean you can't. It'll just probably answer in fewer words. And it's about like just going back and forth with the few words that you do get. And it'll get better the more you practice it. So it's not about, you know, you're doing something wrong. You know what I mean? It's like if you said to me, you know, I'm doing some push-ups and stuff, but I want to be able to do 30 pull-ups. And because I can't do 30 pull-ups right now, there's something wrong with me. Make me do 30 pull-ups right now. How would I ever be able to help you get to 30 pull-ups immediately overnight, right? It's about building the muscle, building the strength, of that connection within yourself over time. So we'll do our best in this moment, but it would be insane for us to say, we're just going to suddenly overnight going to give you 30 pull-ups just because you've started doing some push-ups for the first time. So that said, that doesn't mean we can't make a lot of progress in our time together, but ultimately practice on your own is what's going to make you better at doing it on your own. So When it comes to topics that there is resistance around in your mind, what would you say, because that'll give us some stuff to work with that then we can ask the inner voice about and we'll, you know, be able to also touch on the action thing, like what's going on with that and about when the mind gets in there, about not being the intuition, et cetera. So I feel like the field where I have the most resistance might be my personal life, my relationships. I am single right now and I'm (laughs) looking for a partner and um, sometimes I feel like this partner exists only in my mind or, you know, in a vortex that he's so perfect that he can't be real. So anytime I meet a guy I go on dates with, it just doesn't match because I have this clear vision of who I want to be with. Not as a person, like he has those qualities, he's tall and handsome. I don't, it's not about that. It's just how I feel with him, you know? Beautiful. I have zero match so far. Okay, beautiful. Let's do it. This is a great one. It's a less uh, common in my audience to have the partner piece as the part that the mind is focusing on. Usually people focus on the career most of the time. So it's fun to be able to discuss this aspect with you. 
Let's go into it. Are you more a heart feeler or a gut feeler? A heart feeler. Okay, perfect. So you're just going to direct it down into your chest. You can close your eyes because that'll help you with your awareness going downward. Now, just tell me, I know you're used to this, so you're just going to listen for the words just like when you're writing them down. The difference is with this, to help you keep this connection stronger, you don't have to remember what you're saying, okay? So just tell me the words you're hearing without any pressure from the mind to take notes because it doesn't need to. I'm going to write the answers that you give me down. So if you get more than you usually do doing it in your head, that's fine. You don't have to worry about it because I'm going to write it down and I'll just keep asking the questions. So just keep listening for the words as they come. And if it's just one word, that's plenty. All I need is a sensation, a vision, a visual, or a word, right? If you get a string of those, great. But I just need what you're experiencing to keep asking more questions, okay? Okay. So you'll just take a deep breath, and whenever you find the mind getting involved, because right now we're going to put Kasha in the corner. She's going to go away for now, and I'm just going to have a little dialogue with your inner voice. So she's to the sidelines, and if she starts to get interested in this, just take a deep breath out to kind of clear the mind out and just stay in the listening mode, okay? And if you hear nothing or see you experience nothing, just tell me nothing or silence. That's fine. I'll ask another question. It doesn't mean there's a problem. It just means I want to ask another question. All right. Kasha's inner voice. Am I okay? Yes. Am I safe? Yes. Is it okay to be alone right now? Yes. Why have I not yet found my partner? I hear timing. Timing. Does this timing have to do with me or him? Him. <laughs> ah, so is this my fault that we haven't met yet? No. Why not? Because he needs to join me where I am. Yeah, I heard this too. Want to know something funny, Kasha? I heard once in my meditation, he's finding me. Mm. Sounds like inner voice. Is that basically what you're telling Kasha? Yeah. Okay, so what can Kasha do in the meantime while he's finding her? Have fun. Have fun? Does she have to try hard? Not at all. Does she have to take any action? Only those that inspire her, that bring her joy. So all she has to do is have fun and have joy, and then eventually he'll find her? Yes. What about in the meantime? Should she date other people or wait until he magically appears? I hear nothing. Okay, great. Beautiful. Great job. You didn't fill in the blank with a mind thought. That's beautiful. I love that connection you have. Okay, great job. Kasha gets a point. The mind, the mind of Kasha, right? I'm not talking to you, but I'm talking to the mind. Good job for not filling in that blank. Okay, so inner voice. Is there anything around dating you'd like Kasha to look at differently? Yes. What? Letting go of the outcome of a relationship. Why should she let that go? It's about having fun, even if it doesn't bring the outcome she hopes for. That's really hard for humans to deal with. I'm speaking also as Jess Lively's mind right now. <laughs> so <laughs> that's really hard in her voice. The humans really struggle with that, right? To not have this person become the person. Why is that okay? Because everything passes and changes anyway. But don't we get one person to evolve with? We can. How can we let go of the partners once they're done if it's not going to be the one that was going to stick around? You know what it's done. And if you don't know, then it's not done. Ooh, 
So we will know when it's done. Yes. Will we know when it's right? Yeah. My mind keeps resisting and tries to come back with those questions. So it's last few ones. Okay, so Kasha. All right, cool. Beautiful job for staying in the zone. You're doing perfect at this. Okay, so Kasha, we're bringing her out of the corner. She's heard all of this. <laughs> and she stayed quiet the whole time. Now, I want to hear what resistance, because it's going to form the next questions, the next round of questions I ask are going to be based on the resistance your mind now has. So tell me what is hard for your mind to accept about what you just heard. Hard for the mind to, to accept that nothing is perfect. No relationship is perfect and that ultimately we all do mistakes. And just because a relationship ends doesn't mean it was a mistake. And the mind just wants to avoid making any mistakes. It wants a clear slate. Yeah. Okay. All right. Beautiful. So go back down, bubble down, back into the inner voice, into your chest. All right. All right. Inner voice. Can Kasha make mistakes around dating? Of course. Is it okay for her to? Yes, that's the path of learning. Does she need to learn in dating? She needs to learn to stand her ground and to walk away. Walk away. Walk away when, when should she walk away? When she knows it's the time to walk away. So it's about learning when to walk away. Yes. Why is that something we need to do? Because the mind is afraid that once it gets into a relationship, it doesn't know how to walk away from it, even if it makes Kasha unhappy. Okay, inner voice. I'm speaking for Kasha and Jess Lively here. <laughs> All right. It feels easier to just be single until the right person comes along and not have to do this whole walk away to the wrong person thing over and over again. Why are we dealing with the guys in between? Is your partner, I don't even know, are you interested in men? Yes, I'm dating someone. And I feel like it's, he's not the one, but he's still a very nice person. And I enjoy the time I spend with him. So my mind is telling me, you know, he's not the right one. So why do you bother staying with him? Why don't, are you wasting his time and yours? And my other side of me is telling me, why don't you enjoy it? And when you know it's over, you can just walk away. But uh, I'm really scared of it. The mind is very scared of it. Scared of walking away or staying? Not being able to walk away when I hear that I should go. So it's thinking about the future moment where it knows it needs to leave and being scared about that moment arriving. Yes. Okay. Bubble down. Inner voice. Why is the mind of Kasha worried about that moment coming up? Because she is disappointing people. So she's worried she's going to disappoint the partner. The partner... And her parents. Can she disappoint them? No. Why not? Because they just love her. Will her partner still love her even when she breaks up with him, when she knows it needs to end? Yes. How so? How will the mind of him accept that? Or is it the deeper part of him that's going to accept that? Because he's on the same level. The mind doesn't know how he feels about the relationship. The mind's not even sure if he's even in this all the way either. That's right. So he, he might not even think this is forever either. Yes. <laughs> okay, so, so we could say we're not sure about him in the mind, but okay, what about the parents thing? Are the parents attached to this relationship working out? Not this relationship. What are they attached to? They attached to the previous relationship. Why are they attached to the previous? Because he was like their son. 
Is that her problem? Is that Kasha's problem? No. Yeah. Whose problem is that? Her parents. Yeah. So the problem isn't in Kasha around that. No. <laughs> and the problem isn't around Kasha around this guy because she's not even sure how he feels. No. So is there actually a problem in Kasha? The problem is in her mind. Yeah. Okay. This is interesting. In her voice, what is the problem in the mind of Kasha right now, really? The mind doesn't like it when it's simple. <laughs> Why can't it accept simple? Because it has nothing to do then. Why is that scary to the mind? The mind is afraid it's going to not be used anymore. What would happen then? Lack of control. Yeah. Why does the mind want control so badly? Fear. Fear. What is it afraid of? Being exposed is what I hear. Exposed? Yeah. Okay. What does that mean in her voice? Beautiful question. What does that mean, being exposed? Unprotected, vulnerable. Yeah. What is it unprotected from? Getting hurt. Can it ever be hurt? No. Why not? Love. That's exactly what the mind of Kasha is trying to get is love with the right guy. But she's afraid. It's so simple. Is it scary? It seems like, in her voice, a waste of time, right? To be with someone for a short period of time that's not going to work out. Kasha, can I get, is this like where your mind's at too? Like, what's the point of these people along the way? Now, also, Kasha, I can also tell you, the mind in me relates so much to your situation. And at the same time, Kasha, how do you feel about your career? I'm really excited right now because it's getting the momentum I was waiting for. Okay. Now, with the momentum, did you know there was only one thing you were ever going to do the rest of your life? Oh, my God, no. <laughs> yeah, right? Okay. Now, how many things have you done since you graduated college? Different types of things. Lots of jobs and lots of hopes and positions and lots of things. Did you ever care that they weren't going to be forever? No. Yeah. Do you see the insanity of our minds where you and I have minds that say the partner needs to be forever, but the job never does. And that would be boring if it was. Do you see how the inner voice is telling you the same thing you know to be true in your career, right? Like you are really excited about what's next. Now, all of the things you did leading up to this next, what's happening right now for you in your career was because of all of the jobs you dated before. Mm. Like, does all the experiences and skill sets that you gathered before help and benefit what you're bringing to the table now? Mm. <laughs> yeah. Do you see how if you and I, the minds of both of us, have, we have similar backpacks. So I like to say the mind is like not that dissimilar to like L.L. Bean or Land's End backpacks. They're like these in America. There was this company that had like four different colors and you could put your initials on them when you were little. And we called it personalization. <laughs> We're like, this is my personalized backpack because it says JLC on it <laughs> growing up, right? Now, does that mean that if you got the same pink backpack and put your KK on it, that you and your backpack is different than my backpack? What's the difference? Just the letters are different, but like, is the backpack the same? Does it have the same zippers and the same colors and the same stitching? And it's from the same brand. It's in the same fabric. It's probably cut from the same fabric, just slightly different fabric. Yeah, sure. <laughs> so you and I have very similar backpacks. Now, a lot of other people that listen to the show don't have the pink backpack we have. They have a blue backpack. 
and their blue backpack, they don't have the stress about the partner. They're like, if the guy's wrong, it's wrong. You know, let's have fun. <laughs> the right guy's coming and it'll be great when I meet him. But their career, they want the one and only career they're going to stay married to the rest of their lives. And it needs to fill every possible need they ever will have. And you and I laugh at those blue backpacks. We're like, why would you want that? Are you kidding me? But what we're doing in our pink backpacks is stressing about the boy. We've just switched the sense of fulfillment and then there's like a green backpack. Then there's the green backpacks, which are like the people that really want their health or their fitness goals to be the perfect health and fitness goals. <laughs> and then they have their perfect weight or their perfect outcome of their perfect time on their perfect PR for whatever their thing is. Then they'll be happy forever. You know, like they're slightly different colors, but they all have the same pockets, the same organization. They hold about the same weight. They're not that different but we put our initials on them and we pick our color. And so we say it's our own. It's not. We're basically the same fear-based entities with slightly different personalization. And it sounds like you're in France and I'm in America and we're doing the same thing. But when did we get to choose our backpacks, the color of it? <laughs> Here's a question. I have noticed that for me, the backpack color has changed over time. So the ego in me, the mind in me, originally picked body. It wanted it for nine years, I had body issues and that dominated the mind in me the most. Then I got a partner. So it wasn't the partner that was an issue. That was great, easy. And I wanted, then I switched colors from the body image thing to career. And then I did all the career stuff that those people are trying to get out of their career. So I had the blue backpack for a while. And then I got into alignment about that and then I switched, once I got, uh, was single again in my 30s, it switched to the pink backpack. It switched to the relationship. So for me, I've noticed the mind in me has switched its colors over time. How about you? Is it always stayed partner that gives it most resistance or did it ever care about something else more? I'd say that I was born with a tendency to care really very much about my relationships. There were times in my life when I cared really hard about my job position and because I'm a creative freelance, so it's not always easy to get ahead sometimes of uncertainty and doubt around it, but it always comes back to love and the partner. And even when I'm in a relationship, my anxiety comes back about it because I am afraid that even when it's perfect, the mind is already thinking about what could go wrong. Yeah. Okay. Bobble down. Inner voice. Why does the mind have anxiety about what could go wrong in a relationship? It feels undeserving of love. Is it truly undeserving of love? No. Why not? Because love is all there is. <laughs> Why doesn't the mind understand that? The mind is beyond love. Why is it beyond love? It'd be a much easier inner voice if this was all connected to love for the mind. Why is the mind beyond love? The mind seeks understanding and love is beyond understanding. And love is beyond understanding. Yes. Wow. Okay, my mind's trying to wrap its understanding around this. <laughs> but it makes sense. You know what I've noticed is I've had a situation recently where I've had the privilege of getting to know someone in a really, really present way that's out of our minds. And I think we have a really, really incredibly deep connection when we're outside of our minds. And when the minds reenter, so does the perceived distance. Does that make sense? So it's like when we try to understand it, we miss it. 
But when we're not in our minds, the connection we have is deeper than most connections I've ever had before. It's funny because when I was thinking today about the question I was going to ask you, my intuition kept telling me about the word disconnect and how the mind creates separation and creates the illusion of disconnection. It's like the mind is both afraid of disconnection and also it pushes to disconnection because when I feel separated and disconnected from the world, then it has its grips on me. A hundred percent. So well said. And that is happening depending on what backpack in a different area of people's lives. Everyone's mind is doing that in some area at points in time, right? Unless they're in a fully enlightened state. So they might have the green backpack where they're doing in their body and fitness and health, or they might have it in their pink backpack where they might be doing it in relationship, or they might have it in the blue backpack where they're doing it in career. But what your inner voice seems to be saying, tell me if this resonates for you, is that there is a connection within everything that is, and, and a lot of the inner voice work tends to kind of point to that as like the frequency of love, okay? So the connection includes that frequency. The connection includes love, okay? The mind is not in that dimension, if you will. And so it's seeking that reconnection to the feeling of connection and has fear that it's not there yet. And so it's trying to seek and it's afraid and it's doing all of this manipulation because it's not able to sense, like you, it said to you, it's beyond love because it's not in that. It's thinking that understanding is connection. It's like if we can just agree mentally on something, then we're connected. But that has nothing to do with connection. Connection already is. Therefore, love is already present, but the mind can't perceive that. So it's trying to do its mind interpretation. It's mimicking it. And what I'm realizing more and more clearly is that the mind can mimic love. And that creates attachment. So it attaches. Now we have the pink backpack. Anyone, if we do air this, that's listening, <laughs> might have a blue backpack where it's attached, not necessarily to the partner being this end-all, be-all connection, but the career or the outcome of the finances or their uh, clients or their job, right? They might be attached in a different way. But it's mistaking love and attachment. Mind version of love is mimicking love through attachment where the inner voice is already connected, so it needs not go anywhere or seek anything or anyone. It already is connected. It would be the most ridiculous thing in the world for water to feel thirsty, right? Yeah. Like it is water. How could it be lacking water? That's what it is. It is connected. How could it ever not feel that, what, that sense of what it is? But the mind's not tuned to that frequency. It's like a different radio station. And it's trying very hard to mimic what it's seeking, but it's not able to ever get there because it's on a different frequency. Yeah, that, that's why my inner voice is so calm when it comes to the guys I am dating. It basically says to me, love is everywhere. You, can, you get to choose to love who you love, who you want to love. And people are easy to love when you love them. <laughs> you don't need to make them fit into a checklist or to agree on everything with them to, to, to love them. Or you don't even need to be in a relationship with them to love them. 
Yes. And sometimes the real loving is getting out of the relationship. That's really loving them, right? Holding on to them out of fear is doing nothing for anyone. Yeah, but that blows my mind. <laughs> Kasha, I resonate with you so much because this is my color backpack too right now, right? So I can relate, like just know I, I understand what the mind in you is feeling because it is playing out in myself as well. But okay, I'm like literally like so happy to be chatting with you personally just because I can relate to what you're saying. And I'm in the same journey right now about letting go when it's time to let go and dealing with the frustration my mind feels. So like, what's the point of meeting guys that aren't the right guy? Right. Like I've gotten good at being single. You know, I've gotten good at the casual dating thing. Like if it's a date and it doesn't work out or two, you know, it's like, okay, whatever. Find someone new. But the idea of feeling really deeply connected to someone and that someone not having the knowing that this is the person forever and then having that courage, like you said, to become connected in a way, not like connection in the inner voice connection, but like to to be together for a period of time and then trust in that letting go when it's time to let go and not letting that ruin my equanimity. <laughs> oh my goodness. Can you relate? Is this what you're feeling too? Yeah, but it's so hard because whenever I'm present, it's easy, but I'm not present <laughs> most of the time. I'm in the future. Okay, so, you know, here's the thing, Kaja. Guess what? When you're at your job, well, how long were you at the last thing that you did before the one that's gaining momentum now? How long were you in that role or that facet? Year, I would say a year. And before that, it was five, five years. Okay. When it was time to end the year to do what you're doing now, how was the transition letting go of the old job? It was hard to be truthful. Okay. All right. How come it was hard? Tell me why. Because I had to break up with my business partner. <laughs> okay. But did you know that it was time to break up with the business partner? Yes. The thing is, it was more like a relationship, like with a best friend. It's like basically we were a couple without the sexual dimension of a couple. And I got entangled in the same issues with her as with my boyfriend. Like I knew quite early on that I shouldn't be making business with her because we weren't a good match business-wise. But I wasn't able to walk away when it was time to walk away peacefully. And like you said about the well, that <laughs> when the water is rising and rising and when it overflowed, it was devastating. And I just, it was violent for her because I basically walked away from one day we are friends and business partners and the next day I'm like, I'm out of here. And she took it very personally and it hurt her. And uh, and I was very, very sorry about that, but I just didn't know what to do, you know? I felt like if I'm staying here, I'm going to die, I'm going to suffocate and I need to go. And this is what scares me, to be in that position again with someone else, whether that's a friend, a, a business partner or a boyfriend. To ignore one more time the signal that a relationship isn't doing me any good and that I'm not doing any good to the other person by staying in it. All right. Oh, this is beautiful. I am seeing so many parallels. So can I tell you a story and then I'm going to apply it to your life? Mm -hmm, sure. Okay. So when I got into alignment and traded the backpack, when I got out of the career backpack being the thing that I was thirsty for, one of the big turning points was during a launch of my online class, Life with Intention Online, I had with my partner at the time, we were going to 
try to do an addition to a home that we had bought and we were going to try to do it and it was going to cost 60 or $70,000. So before that point, I didn't have any pressure on earning any specific amount of money because we were using my income for long-term savings. So I learned how to sell in alignment because I didn't have any specific number I needed to earn. So I could just be there for people and I just trusted the right people would come and it would be right. But once we had this goal, once we had the specific number, of 60 or $70,000 from that launch, that was more difficult for me to stay in alignment and sell and saying, if your intuition feels it's a fit, join, and if it's not, don't. When I had a specific number I wanted to reach, that was harder. It was kind of like doing a headstand if I was practicing yoga against the wall was when I was supported and it was, you know, there's a lot of support there when I didn't have a number in mind. But once I got good at that, the universe, you know, gave me a new opportunity. And this new opportunity included this house edition, which was kind of like moving the mat. Instead of being against the wall, I was going to start doing it in the middle of the room, practicing the headstand in the middle of the room, which is more difficult, right? Because you could fall in more directions and you're less supported. So I had to learn how to do it in that new dimension, right? Where there was income that was needed in some way, right? Or we thought it was needed. So Okay, now like whether that was really needed, it is all about perception, right? The mind said it was needed, so that was what made it harder. Was it actually necessary? No, we could have lived in the house without the addition or money could have come in a different way, but this is what the mind was dealing with. So I had two webinars during this sales period, okay? Webinar one, at the end when I do question and answers, people are asking a lot of detailed questions that I could have answered in the class really in depth, but they were asking them while I was selling the class, And I noticed in myself this kind of resistance and friction to wanting to answer the questions because to me they were answered in the class. So I kept kind of noticing myself say, well, that's a great question and we answer that in module three or we answer that in module two, whatever. And at the end of the webinar, I felt whether anyone watched, some people probably thought I sold very little compared to other online people, I guess. And other people might have thought, oh, like she really seemed to push the class, right? I don't know how people perceived it, but I know how I felt inside and I felt misaligned. I noticed the energy of me be more focused on the outcome of people joining the class than I wanted it to feel. So I didn't like how I felt. And I had two days later, another webinar. And in the second webinar, I said, you know what? No matter what, I never want to feel like that again. So no matter what the outcome is, even if I sell less, if less people join after this next webinar, fine. I know at the end of the webinar, I want to know I feel good about how I showed up to the people. And so after that next webinar, I don't even think that the number of sales in the first 24 hours after each, I don't even think initially that there was as many sales in the second one as there was the first one. But it was triumphant for me because I liberated myself from the outcome. I was so happy in the alignment that the alignment felt better than the outcome. Do you know, like the feeling of that alignment felt better than the outcome. And I was like, thank God I feel good now. Because what I thought the outcome would bring is feeling good. This is Law of Attraction 101, but this is before I knew about Law of Attraction. And this was like amazing to me. What I want to say about your situation is that you've already had your webinar one. Your webinar one was this breakup with this business partner. Okay. 
and you saw how that felt, you saw how it played out, it wasn't what you wanted. So now you have webinar two. And you could look at this as healing or you can look at this as resolution or whatever you want. I don't care how you look at it. But what situation you're in now with this new partner, it just happens to be in relationship instead of business in this case, or a romantic partner instead of a business partner. Is it worth it to you to go for the outcome of not hurting him or your parents or any of that stuff, having seen what happened with the first situation? Oh, no. No. So what you can do now is lean in to, not lean, like in a hard way, but like what you can now do is get into total alignment with letting go because you now know you've already done it the other way before. You've already essentially lived out the crappy way of doing it. Mm. So now, will it ever feel worth it to hold on based on how you felt last time? No, of course not. So that's the gift I was speaking with Jacob Lieberman yesterday about the situation and applying this to dating. And he said, you know, webinar one was essential. That was a gift because out of webinar one, I then got to have webinar two. And after I felt the difference between the two, I never went back. Like there were moments where I'd fall out of alignment, you know, in the, and also, by the way, there were moments in the sales period where I did it was a three-week window of selling. That would be insane to stay in a headstand for three weeks perfectly straight. So I knew it would be insane to stay in a perfect headstand for three weeks. And if I fell out of it, I'd just get back into it, right? I wouldn't give myself a hard time. It's impossible to stay perfectly aligned for three weeks. So however long you're in this relationship, it'll be impossible to stay aligned perfectly. But you can just get back into your alignment and you can keep remembering how webinar one felt, how the business partnership felt. And no, you never want to go back to that. It's never worth doing all the things you did the first time versus the feeling of alignment you now have. How does this feel or relate to you? It sounds very, very true. Uh, what I would like to ask is how does it apply to my day-to-day -day dating life? All right, inner voice, bobble down. How does this apply to my day-to-day -day dating life? Take your time. Take my time doing what? Appreciating. Appreciating what? Who the person is and the joy you're having together. Can I let go when I know it's time to let go? Yes. How can I do so in the best and most ultimate way? Being honest. So the minute I know that we should change, all I have to do is be honest. I'm waiting. I hear nothing. Okay. I think it's the minutes that blocked it because I don't know. Maybe my mind is interfering. <laughs> Good job. Good job. Beautiful. Okay. So bobble down. Inner voice. Is it all I have to do? Be honest. Yes. What if he gets upset? Safe. It's safe for him to be upset? It's safe for you to be honest. Even if he gets hurt? Yes. Why is that okay? I don't want to hurt anyone. You're not hurting anyone. You're only the channel for the lesson. So it's not my business what happens. I just, it's my business to be honest. Yes. Can I trust myself to be honest? Yes. And it's safe to be honest? Yes. Will I be okay if I'm honest? Yes. Will I feel better if I'm honest? Definitely. Yeah. So do I ever need to not be honest? No. Can I tell him I'm afraid about being honest? Yes. That's okay and safe. Yes. Is it time to be honest that he's not right for me right now? 
I hear yes and no. Oh, beautiful. Okay. How yes? Yes, if you want to keep being single, which is fine. And no, if you don't want to see him, which is fine too. When should I tell him I don't want to be with him? When you're together in the same room and you know that it's over. Do I know that now? No. Okay, so it's not over now. No. And can I trust myself to, when it's over, be honest and leave? Yes. And it's not about my business, about how he interprets that? No. How can I help him when I do that? Be gentle and honest. How can I help myself to do that? Don't make it about him. Make it about you and what you want. That's okay. Yes. And that's safe. Yes. How are you feeling? I feel fuzzy and kind of weird. It's like my mind immediately tries to jump in and to change the message I'm getting and to give me its opinion about it. But uh, I think I can feel this other voice within me now. It's always there. Yes. Okay, so now let's imagine your career, because we don't have that backpack activated, right? So if, if you were in this next new phase of your business and you knew it was time to leave it, would you leave it? Yes. Would you worry about it? Maybe a bit. But would it stop you? No. Do you see how what we're aiming for is that same feeling in this? Yes. And I know... And I feel you because I'm in exactly the same learning that you are, which is how to end something well. I've learned how to end really, really long relationships well <laughs> that were really long and deep. But for some reason, the shorter ones that I've had in more recent years, like I had a great end of my marriage. I had a great end of the relationship before that. That was very difficult to understand how to do that. But I learned in those really deep, long things. For me, it's learning in the shorter term ones that aren't like a date and aren't like five years. <laughs> it's in between a date and five years. Those connections, that's where I'm learning to let go and move on in peace and harmony and alignment. I think that I, I don't remember having any peaceful ending of relationships. And I don't have anything to hold on to like, a past experience when it went well, except maybe for one boyfriend. It was a short relationship, but I knew he was going abroad. He was going to move out of the country, and I was okay with that. And so I stayed with him until he left. I even drove him to the airport, <laughs> and it was fine. Inner voice, why was that one fine? Because I enjoyed myself. I wasn't thinking about the outcome. I was okay with the outcome. Can I be okay with this outcome? Yes. How will this help me if I can get peace around this outcome? So mine would stay away. Would that be beneficial for us? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And will that help me also be even more ready for my partner when he does show up? Yes. Yeah. It, it keeps saying you won't rec recognize him with your mind. What will I recognize him with? With your heart. Yeah makes total sense the backpack is trying to run the show and it's a freaking backpack it's the mind it's not what we really are this is we're awareness of the mind but it's animating all of our awareness so we think our awareness is the mind what we're doing right now is splitting it all apart i want to ask you a question yeah it's something that i think about 
I'm starting to wonder if I really want a relationship or if I I am really meant to be in one because I get to grow so much when I'm single. It's been two years now, basically, and my life has really changed a lot and it's been really amazing. And sometimes I fear that I am not meant to be with anyone and just love myself and be with myself. And some days I'm telling myself that it would be fine and some other days, that terrifies me. It's like, but I do really want a relationship. It, it would be so really ironic and really cool not to give me one. <laughs> I feel everything you just shared often, lately, 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 I have been becoming open to the potential outcome where I don't have a partner long term and accepting that as an outcome that's possible and okay. And you know what's really the best thing about that? It's opening me to the best possible relationship. Because if I'm not afraid to be single, then I'm not going to sacrifice my singlehood for something that's not perfectly as awesome as that positive outcome. I think it doesn't mean that I'm not going to end up being single. It just means I'm not afraid if that's the outcome. But what it does mean also on the relationship side is that I'm less likely to sacrifice or compromise what I really want. Now, in my career, are you kidding? Do you know how bold I am? I decided to do C-School and I was like, my life is amazing and I will only do this thing if my life will continue to be as amazing (laughs) as it already is. And when I did C-School Live, I got to go to bed at 7.30 because I was really weird at the time and I was going to bed super early. I got to have every single thing in my life unfold around me. I had the perfect team. I had the perfect, like now perfect being, they weren't, you know, like robots, you know what I mean? They were humans, but I had the right team. I had the right location. I had the right people there. I had everything unfolded around me because I was uncompromising and it was right. I also do this with sponsors. I have a sponsor that wants to continue their work with me and I only pick sponsors I freaking love to work with because I don't need the sponsor money to like Like that's not an essential part of my life. It's not a necessity. So only if I love them will I work with them. And so this one had kind of given me some trouble in the past and I didn't bother reaching back out to them when I came back to the show. And they reached out because they saw I came back from the hiatus and they had all these rules in the past about this is how you work with us because they're a really big brand and they have this middleman and all these policies and stuff like that. I had no interest. I like the brand. So I do believe in the product, but I didn't like all of their policies and their rules and all of these deal, like all of the things that, that went into working with them. They had this strict like policy of what to say, that, you know, not to say this and to say this and all this stuff. And I just love raving about things I really love. Like to me, it's way more simple because it's way more authentic to you. If I just really love something and I talk about it, but they were like all complicated. So I said, I will work with you if you work under my terms, not yours. Now, they're a huge brand, (laughs) but I just said, I don't care how big you are and how important you are. If you're not going to help me do this in the best aligned way for me, you're not right for me. 
And guess what? They actually came back to me yesterday and emailed and they said they're willing to do it under my terms. I'm sure. I can't imagine unless there's like serial, right? I can't imagine unless you're like the biggest podcast on the planet that they're doing this for any other podcasts. So they must really like the return on investment on my show because they're willing to change all of their rules because I was unwilling to basically, the, the essential here thing is like, I was like, I'll date you if you're looking for what I'm looking for. If you're not looking for what I'm looking for, you're not right for me. May you go find the right partner for you. I was uncompromising and it didn't matter to me. If they didn't want what I wanted, it was like no harm done. You're not the right partner for me. You're not the right sponsor for me. Do you see that? I should be relaxed about being picky. Yeah, because you know that the right partner will want the same things and then you're not compromising and bending over backwards. Now, I know a lot of blue backpack people, <laughs> right? Since that's but that's the, the trigger for other people where they might be like, oh my goodness, I do like this brand and I do want to work with them and I'll bend over backwards and do all their rules. Where for me, I was like, eh, I don't want to bend over backwards for them. Like I like the brand and I can genuinely rave about it, but I only want to do it if I can do it the way I want. Like I want it to feel good for me not doing it on their terms. And so they wanted to be with me badly enough. Now that's kind of like a partner. And if the partner doesn't want, you know, the commitment I'm looking for, okay, great. I hope you find the partner that's right for you. Can you imagine doing that? I can imagine doing more and more than before. And something you said in high school, module five, really resonated with me. It's, it was about becoming really weird and accepting that <laughs> and letting yourself be the weirdest version of yourself and maybe meeting someone at this level. Yeah. I feel like, like I have tons of weirdness within me that is still inside and that it's asking to come out. Yeah. I have a friend who's been on the show who has an incredible relationship and she was bold. She was so bold. She had a, I won't tell her name so I can tell the details of the story more personally. So her parents got divorced and they did not have a great marriage at all. And her mother has like really, I guess what she would call maybe poor dating skills or like situations. But she, in her own life, had a partner that she described as like an eight, on not on like a hotness scale, but on a compatibility scale. Like he was really high and really lovely, but not a 10 for herself. He was like great on paper and her family loved him and everyone thought she was crazy when she ended it with him. But she had decided based on seeing her parents' relationship, that even though the parents were probably at like a three, <laughs> she just thought, you know what? It's not worth it to me to have a relationship unless it's a 10 in terms of compatibility for her. This is just like me and the sponsor I was just mentioning. Like, it's not worth me having a sponsor unless it's a 10. It's not just if I love the product like I do, but also that the whole relationship feels that aligned, right? So the terms feel aligned as well. And so I turned away this sponsor that was an eight because they weren't the 10. She broke up with this guy and then very quickly later met her now partner. And he's a total 10 for her. Like he is a total match for her in all of the ways. And she said that as she was getting to know him, she, after like three months, that's a long time, right? She kept feeling like she was waiting to find out what was wrong with him. She's like, there's nothing wrong with him. She couldn't find a thing, you know what I mean? Where there was that knowing that she needed to end it. 
Like it continued to be right and it continued to be right. And it has continued to be right for her in that fit. But she was really uncompromising. Now, everybody's in a different situation and a different experience and has a different set of knowings and a different set of experiences they're seeking to have, right? So I can't say everyone's inner voice is guiding them to the right experience for them. I can say, though, I'm pretty uncompromising when it comes to my career, and I have an incredibly, exceptionally lovely career. She was uncompromising in her relationship compatibility, and she has an exceptionally wonderful match for herself. What I'm now looking to do in myself, what I've noticed is the pattern is I can have really incredible starts to things, like really, like sometimes it's just not right, and that's fine, I let those go. But sometimes I'll have these really strong connections in the beginning. And then as time unfolds, things don't always stay as wonderful as they were in the beginning. And I've noticed the tendency I used to have was to adapt myself around those things. You know, as it got like a little not as aligned, I would adapt myself to try to keep it aligned by what I was wanting or what I was willing to be with or what they were wanting versus what I was wanting. I would adapt to them. Instead of staying aligned in myself, I was aligning with them and whatever their hangups were, whatever. And as the things, you know how my friend said, she's like three months in, she like was kept waiting for what was wrong with him. That wasn't that she wasn't trying to be picky or like waiting for the other shoe to drop, but she just kept seeing how consistently lovely he was to be with. (laughs) And Jacob Lieberman said, it's like a pair of clothing. It's like you can get something and in beginning it fits really well. And as you keep washing it and wearing it, some clothes get misshapen in the wash and they don't fit as well over time and others get better and better over time. And what I've noticed is I can get a lot of great clothes in the beginning But it's having the courage as they start to not fit to let them go in love rather than hold on like you did in your business relationship. I understand what you mentioned about your friend being in a great relationship. I I found myself feeling very self-conscious around couples and starting to ask myself, what's wrong with me? Why did they find someone for them? And Okay, inner voice, bubble down, bubble down. What's wrong with me? Nothing. (laughs) The why do they have it and I don't right now? I hear the word different. Why am I different? I want to be like them. I want to be the same. They are different. But why can't I be like them? It's not your path. What is my path? Is it to be single the rest of my life? No. Is it to have a partner at some point in my life that sustains and continues? Yes. And he's finding me, so this isn't even about me. Yes. How can I trust that's true? How can I trust that he's finding me and it's not about me being broken? You will know when you... <laughs> I, I don't know how to interpret that, but it's like you will know when you will know. <laughs> yeah. Okay, here's a question, Kasha. Let's just go on a limb here, okay? We're going to take the monkey mind. <laughs> We're just going to put it on a shelf. Let's just pretend. Let's tell a story, okay? Kasha, you're going to meet Prince Wonderful, this is charming, but you know, you're going to, and he doesn't have to be a prince, but I've even manifested that, by the way. I've manifested someone who is from a prince family, from a European country. I couldn't even believe it. I was like, are you kidding me? He wanted to be with me, but he wasn't the right partner for me, but he was a lovely person to meet. Anyways, okay. So like Mr. Wonderful is out there. He's going to be really wonderful and he really is out there. All right. 
But let's say he's in another relationship right now or he's in a different part of the world right now. For whatever reason, he's doing other things or he's not ready for what you're wanting yet. Like he's still having experiences maybe that are leading him to be ready for what you want too, okay? So for whatever reason, he's doing other things, but he's really, really wonderful. He is the match for you. Like the 10 out of 10 for you, that doesn't mean he's perfect. It just means for you, he's the right fit, right? Like my friend said, after three months, I was wondering what was wrong. Like it was all clicking so well, okay? Now, if we really believe, well, we're just telling a story, <laughs> but let's just say the story's true, where that's really right. All you have to do in the meantime is have fun. What would you do if you knew Mr. Wonderful really is gonna find you? Really, like he's really gonna find you. There's no question about it. What would you do right now before you met him, knowing he's coming with full certainty? Well, I, I have two answers. Okay. First answer is to date as many guys as I want. Okay. Because it won't matter in the end. And the second answer is just focus on myself and read all the books I want to read because I don't really want to go out and date people. I have those phases when I'm really happy to stay at home and go to bed super early just like you and allow myself to do that without the pressure of you need to put yourself out there and meet new people. If I had this certainty that he will find me either way, yeah, I guess I would feel more free to follow my joy that is changing from day to day. So some day it's going to be go to bed super early and the other day going to be go on Tinder and meet some super cute guy and spend the night with him, you know? Exactly. Do you see how that is your life? You're just avoiding it right now? in fear because the mind is taking all that attention. Actually, to the same person, to my story about that person that I said, the 10 out of 10 friend, she said when she broke up with the eight out of 10 guy, she realized she was living in New York at the time. And she said, what I realized was all I was afraid of was being alone, reading it at the Barnes and Noble and Union Square. She goes, when I'm alone, that just meant I needed to, I was like reading alone at Union Square. And she was saying, like, basically, all she had to get over was the fact that instead of being with this partner, she might have more alone time and she'd go read at Union Square. Funny enough, I was an intern in college and lived in Gramercy Park right near that Barnes & Noble in Union Square and used to go in the weekends and read there too. But yeah, she basically said the only thing that like she was, it was either go read at Union Square and have a good time, like, and just deal with the fact that that's what she was doing and not fearing the fact that that's what she was doing versus waiting for the 10 out of 10. She had to realize that leaving the eight, all she was facing was exactly what you said, to do what she wanted to do and be okay with it as she was doing it. And she didn't fear that the way the mind and you and I does. Does that make sense? She wasn't afraid of that. She was fine with it. And she wasn't going to compromise on the person just like me and the sponsor. I'm not going to compromise. Like, I can get another sponsor. I just want to have a sponsors that I love working with that are easy to work with and I love their products. And I trust that there are many of those out there and I don't even need them. Like, I don't do the show for the sponsors. Like, I'll still air an episode because I want to air an episode. If I don't want to air an episode, it doesn't matter. Like, the sponsors are not the reason I do the show. It's a nice added thing but it's not the motivation and it's not the thing I need. It's nice to have only if it's in alignment. 
imagine you really reading the books when you wanted and hooking up on Tinder when you wanted and enjoying your life and going to bed late or dating all the time or dating none of the time or learning or growing your company. And eating whatever I want. Eat whatever you want. Imagine that. And then imagine the person meeting you in that deliciousness of life. Yeah. I'm super... It's funny what you said about the green backpack. I, I have one too. It's smaller than the pink backpack, but it's definitely there. The the pressure to have the uh, the right body and to get rid of my acne because I have some too and it's really bugging me down. And the more I try to regulate this and the more it breaks out, of course, and it's like a, my relationship with food is very funny because sometimes it feels like uh, I will never eat again and I just can't stop eating. But it feels like it's the same feeling as with men. Like I, I'm i scared to end the relationship because I'm afraid to be alone and I'm scared to stop eating because I'm afraid of feeling hungry. Oh my gosh. When my backpack was the body thing, same exact thing. I was terrified of being hungry. Terrified terrified. What we're really terrified of is feeling empty, right? Like that emptiness, the emptiness of hunger, the emptiness of being alone, or the emptiness of not having the career fulfillment coming through where you feel full, or the fear of not having enough money, right? Yeah, I narrowed it down to the feeling of I can stand frustration. So instead of being tempted to eat a cookie, I'd rather eat five of them. So I really don't feel no frustration at all, rather than staying in the feeling of I'm not hungry, so I'm not going to eat it. Could you say that again? Uh, okay. So, because I, I wonder, of course, about am I really scared of being hungry? What's, what's hiding behind this? And so I try to think about it and to watch myself when I was eating. And I observed that what I really had trouble with is the feeling of being frustrated, of being tempted by something and not being able to eat it or not wanting to eat it. It's like, <laughs> I'm going to give you a comparison. When you're in a relationship and you have feelings for someone else and you can't stand to have feelings for someone else, so you sleep with them just to get rid of this tension. So I do the same with food. Instead of telling myself, you don't really need that cookie because you're full. I'm going to eat it, not just to feel the temptation of it, because that's really making me feel very, very angry. It's overcompensating for a sense of lack that doesn't really exist. And it's the mind attaching fulfillment to these outcomes, right? Because the mind, like it said, is beyond love. The inner voice said that earlier. So it's seeking to imitate it's imitating fullness by having a partner literally filling you up <laughs> or the food filling you up. It is the sense of incompleteness, seeking completeness through food, career, or partner. Literally in a physical mm. manifestation of a female-male dynamic, right? Literally feeling filled up. There is like two halves to that sexuality in that, you know, whatever we call it, gender binary, right? So it doesn't mean that it needs to show up in that way. It just does in those two forms. It's normal for the mind. And as Eckhart says, it's technically insane. It's normal 
because the mind is beyond the connection. It is beyond the sensation of love. It's trying to mimic them because it cannot experience them from itself. It is like your fingernails trying to feel what it's like to be a beating heart. It's not its Uh job, but it's trying very hard and it's doing a terrible job at it. Your awareness, your beingness is experiencing that connection and experiencing that love. The mind is an organ that tries to keep you safe by solving problems. These are not the same as those. One of these things is not like the other, but one thinks it needs to create connection where it already is there in you. And when we get to that enlightened state, which will happen through us, it's not like we can force this occurrence. But then when that does, as Eckhart says, the mind takes its rightful place as an aspect of the body and (laughs) a part of us, but it's no longer dominating our awareness. Our awareness is back in itself to its connection (laughs) and to its love within itself. That's where the awareness lies more predominantly than in the mind. We're just in a current state that is temporary. Now, it might be temporarily being our entire lifetime of this life experience and many other life experiences if we believe in other lifetimes, but it's not ultimately the truth of our greater awareness. And this voice is connected to that greater awareness and connection right now. And as this bobblehead that you are, you at least can start tapping into a voice that is connected. Wow, I think it's very wise what you just said. I see how it applies to my body image and my hunger (laughs) feelings and rejection of hunger and all that stuff. It's really powerful. I never seen that that way. Then I'll feel complete. X, Y, or Z, pick your backpack. When the career is right, then I'll feel complete. When the partner's right, then I'll feel complete. When the food body image is right, then I'll feel complete. But all of those things, when it's seeking those completions, is it's terrified to let go when it's no longer right. And all the ones that go really well in our lives are the ones where we let go, we let go, we let go when it's no longer right, right? The person that has the best relationship with food and body lets go when they're full. The person that has the best relationships in relationships, let go when it's no longer right. Like my friend who left Mr. Eight and then like three months later met Mr. 10 and he never got worse. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like it never went down. It sustained itself in beautiful ways that were right for them. That doesn't mean that things don't vacillate and that there isn't growth and evolution in a couple. I'm not trying to say that, but she's been with this partner for 10 years or more at this point and they continue to have an incredible connection. But that's been a continual right situation. That doesn't mean that for me and my partner that I was with for five years and we did end in a beautiful way, that we needed to go forever. It was beautiful for five years. And then we let go. For me, I'm having a harder time with the five days or the five weeks or the five month things (laughs) because that's the backpack that my mind is most attuned to completing itself through. I understand completely. How can I learn to let go? Okay, well, first of all, what we can do is try to butter smear the area where you do have alignment and you do have the ability to let go, okay? So usually people have an area they're not attached to. (laughs) They are allowing, okay? So what's the area you're most aligned with and it's the easiest and it's the best for you? I would say right now it's money. 
Money. Okay. How do you feel when you feel like you don't have enough money? How do you process that? So right now, I I said to myself that it's just a temporary state. I have lots and lots of money coming my way, and I don't need to worry. I just maybe need to adjust my spending, but eventually it will come back to me, and it will be great. So I can start making wish lists on Amazon. On <laughs> you know, maybe I cannot buy it right now, but I will be able to buy it later. Yeah, money comes and goes. Exactly. That's how my friend felt where she realized the only thing I was afraid of was sitting alone at Starbucks or at the Barnes & Noble reading on a Saturday afternoon. That was her realization. Okay, so I just sit at the Starbucks reading in the afternoon. No big deal. That's you making your Amazon wish list. Okay, now what we want to do is smear that butter that you've got in the money area into dating. So how would you smear that? If you could approach your career, let's, we're just telling a story right now, making it up. So Mr. Wonderful's finding you in whatever reason or way possible right now, okay? He's finding you. You've got this money thing down. How would you smear the way you approach your money into dating right now? I would focus on how I feel and not who he is to my perfect checklist of Mr. Wonderful. I wouldn't be looking for the signs of him being that right, perfect person for me, but instead I would be asking myself, are you having fun with him? Is he a good guy? Is he someone who makes you laugh? How do you feel when you're with him? And if the answer isn't great or amazing, I would just keep searching, you know? Not necessarily drop him like garbage, but just be aware that there's something else that I want that it's out there for me and that it's not it. Yeah. Do you see how that's reality? The mind is not living in reality. (laughs) It's going to create an emotional reality that's real. It's going to create an emotional storm and that's going to create emotional neural peptides that'll go through in your body and activate all sorts of fear. (laughs) And you'll really feel the cortisol and the adrenaline and all the crap, you know? You'll really feel that, but that's not real. What's really real is what you just said. And we don't know the outcome, right? My friend that broke up with Mr. 8 didn't have any expectation of Mr. 10 showing up three months later. She just no longer feared being alone at the Barnes & Noble. Yeah. <laughs> and that's where I said, when you asked me, what if I just really want to be single this lifetime? Or what if that's really what I'm meant to do? And I go back and forth on that. For me, coming to that realization and that peace around that, that's the most liberating and aligning thing. Not because I need to have it, because then I'm not fearing it. And if I'm not fearing it, then I'm not feeling that like there's something wrong with me in the present moment. Because mm. if I feel like there has to be a partner and he's not here yet, then there's something wrong with me. If I'm not attached to there having to be a partner in this moment, then there's nothing wrong with me. Indeed. <laughs> it sounds so simple when you say it. <laughs> I know. It's so simple because it is. The inner voice in you said, the mind doesn't like simple because then it has nothing to do. The mind would not be used anymore. And the reason it's there is for it has fear and it's afraid of being exposed, unprotected, and vulnerable. But none of it's true. This is the dichotomy. We're living in a nightmare where we're really in a dream. And it's the uncertainty, right? Because there's no guarantee to the mind right now about the partner. There's no guarantee in the mind of you about money. Why is your mind not attached to the fear that there's really no certainty the money's going to come? I don't know. Maybe 
these are the kinds of fears I didn't get when I was younger. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So that just means it's showing up to be healed. Not like, and I don't love healing. I mean, I, obviously I do like healing, but I don't love this idea of focusing on the concept of healing too much. I think it's really out there a lot. And there's nothing wrong with it for those that are resonating with it. But for me, that kind of then feels like there's something broken in me now. <laughs> you know what I mean? And then I'm like, ah, oh, I'm like ill. And like, I don't like, like, I don't love that analogy. But I do love the concept of healing. But then I don't like the implication that right now I'm in a state of not healing. Like, I know I'm connected. It's just the mind that's not. <laughs> so to me, it's like there's nothing wrong. I don't want to ever think there is. It's just the mind that thinks there is something to be healed. But there's really, like your inner voice says, we're all connected and it's all love. <laughs> and it doesn't matter. It's accepting everything. So that said, this is just showing up because of what it's webinar one. All right. That's what I like looking at. Okay, so the contrast of this situation is creating a better future. That webinar one is what created my alignment with my career ever since. The one where I sold more than I felt like I was, you know, kind of whatever I was. I was like withholding energy or something like that. That one created this desire never to feel like that again. And like really what that meant was I really created the desire to stay open to what people were doing regardless of the outcome. That was me saying, you know what, even if the guy never shows up, I'm going to go to bed when I want to go to bed. I'm going to read the books when I want to read the books and I'm going to go on Tinder when I want to go on Tinder. The same thing you said earlier you would do if you knew he was coming, that's it. What you just said and then recognizing with compassion when the mind makes up the fears. Yeah. But I think that as we do this, we're going to let go. We're going to let go. We're going to let go. And eventually you're going to get a sponsor that's like, these are my terms. And if you want to work with me, great. If you don't, I hope you find the right sponsor person for you. And then they'll show up and they'll say, hey, I want to do all of that because I want to work with you. I want to be with you. And this is what I want to. So it makes me smile even just to imagine that. Right? What if you just pretend? Because you don't have any guarantee on the money. You're basically pretending on the money front. Yeah, that's true. But it doesn't bother you. This is just a smoothing out the tension where it doesn't really exist. That's what I call healing. <laughs> okay, my version of healing. Smoothing out the tension where it never really existed in the first place. There's just the perception that it exists. Yeah, so I have this game of parallel worlds or looking into the future when, whenever I feel too a bit depressed, you know, like, oh my God, I'm so frustrated that I'm still single. I connect to dream future life when I am with my partner and I get to talk with him <laughs> and we both laugh at this period of my time when I was thinking that he didn't exist and after that I feel like I am already married to him and every guy I meet feels like oh my god you're so not like my husband <laughs> he's so much better than you <laughs> but then it fades away because the mind just you know comes back into play but while it lasts it's very fun and it's very nice to experience that here's a question inner voice is it useful for me to think about that vision yes if it makes you happy but what if it doesn't what if it makes me sad that he's not here yet then think about something that makes you happy whatever that is here's a thought kasha what if you take a little bit of a pause from the visualization and instead you know what you, when I asked you, what would you do if you knew he was coming? 
and you said I would do all those things. I go to bed, I'd read, I'd date, you know, all that stuff. What do you think about instead of visualizing Mr. Wonderful, you trust Mr. Wonderful's coming and do all those things and focus on the sensation of all of those things in the present moment that are able to happen right now? That sounds like a better plan. So <laughs> at least if I am looking for it in the present moment, I get to experience it with my whole body, not just with my mind. Yes. Are you kidding? When I was visualizing my body, when I realized I could be healthy without exercising like a maniac, <laughs> I started visualizing the perfect body. And instead of like, do I need to have the perfect body? No. But when I was like, if I'm going to visualize instead of working out, I need to have the perfect body, like a better body than I even need or care to have so that I could show other people it works. And then I started visualizing and trying and I efforted my mind and that started getting more in my way than letting it all go. Now I just have a great body and I don't think about it. And I work out or walk or do whatever I feel like doing when I feel like doing it. I'm a lot more peaceful and I'm even getting better results when I'm not thinking about it that much. Would you say that visualization is more yellow and just feeling it is turquoise? <laughs> well, I think that turquoise is just accepts what is without resistance. So it's that's where I'm saying what you said, I would just, you know, I would just read books and I would go to bed and I would date and I'd do whatever I felt like. That's turquoise. It's not fussed that there's not the partner there yet, nor is it attached. It's just with what is rather than visualizing what is not yet. So I have a burning question about coral. <laughs> right. Well, now coral is a whole nother game. Now we're getting into a new. Yeah. Keep going. Because I went into spiral dynamics after you mentioned it in the in C school. So I've read it and I found it really fascinating. And what fascinated me is that on the cover of the book, you see the coral in the shape of the pyramid or whatever. But when it comes to describing it, the author said, we can't really know by now. So it left me really curious about it. I was wondering if you had any insight on it. Well, I only have ideas on it. So there, this is by no means, I'm not the author nor the experiencer of Coral, but my idea, the story I tell myself about it is that maybe, okay, so turquoise, like real, to me, continued authentic realization of turquoise would be someone like Eckhart Tolle who's in a permanent state of connection to oneness in a felt realization way, not a mental construct, but a physical day-to-day -day where his mind is no longer dominating his awareness and he's got that connection very viscerally and physically connected, all right? So as that, those people, as I've studied people that enter that state, they tend to sit for like a handful of months, not always, but a lot of them sit for a long time on a bench or on a sofa doing nothing essentially because they're so amazed at the full body orgasm that is connected to everything that they're just like, you know, how could I possibly be missing anything? Because they're feeling the felt connection to everything at all times. So they're just amazed at that for a while, right? Which is to me... I don't know this is true ultimately, but I just imagine, okay, so this is like we're source energy experiencing ourselves, right? And if we came into this creation we made immediately feeling that and knowing that, then it wouldn't, it's like having an orgasm immediately. All right, 
it's fine, but like the buildup to the orgasm makes the orgasm better, right? So I just imagine we have a thousand lifetimes not remembering our own connection to everything so that we can have that like six months to two years sitting on the park bench in awe because we're just like, oh my God, this is such a long released amazing feeling because of all that time that I forgot about it, right? So I don't, this is just a story. This is just lively. This is not like, you know, put it on a pedestal and write about it. But I just tell this little story about turquoise. It's like, that's the big aha, the big orgasm of our realization. But here's the thing. They sustain the conscious felt realization of that connection where right now you and I are sitting here frustrated with our backpacks because we're not feeling that connection. They feel it. There's no more questioning about it. They're in that knowing. Okay. So turquoise is in the knowing of that. They're in the inner voices, realization and peace. Okay. And at the same time that they're in that connection to everything. So they're kind of like they realize they're in the fabric and they feel like they're in the fabric, but there's still a woven part of that fabric that is its own entity. So it's an entity within the fabric of oneness. Now that is very different than us. We feel like we're an entity in space of nothing and we are we feel separation between all things. They're feeling connection with all things and yet maintain an entityness about them. To me that's coral because turquoise is the collective and then coral is the individual again. So it's coming back in, but they're coming from that felt oneness perspective and perception and felt realization. The wild story, I guess, is that from that place, those people with that realization, if they still choose to even come back to this planet and stay embodied at all, might be able since they're physically able to experience a level of vibration that we're not capable of at this level of our humanity, is like maybe they can manipulate levels or layers or aspects of physical reality in ways that other humans are not. But I don't know. There's like zero proof or ideas, but like that's my that's my like theory is that those are the people that can use their consciousness and apply it with focus and precision to change elements far more masterfully than regular humans can. Yeah, that actually sounds quite logical to grow into that state. Yeah, because I feel like they're still individuals, they're still creating their own reality, but now they have the connection to all things, which is like source energy on their side. And there's not this disconnect between their awareness and that energy. They're, I don't want to say that they are the energy, but they're aware of the energy and it's serving them and their consciousness is far more focused because they're not being misdirected by the fearful mind, right? So the fearful aspects of our mind, they would not be dominated by. They still might be able to apply their focus of consciousness in a direction, but without the fear dominating that direction, where we have all this resistance to not getting that. They're already connected. So they already know, like all of our mind's fears are because we feel disconnected, right? They already are in connection, so there's no fear. So their focus isn't going to ever have resistance as much as it would in our state of being. Yeah, so that's the miracle level. Yeah, I think it is. I think it is the unexplainable to our level of reality or perception of reality level. Wow. (laughs) 
So who knows if that's true or maybe it's not, but it's fun to think about in a, for me, like a really casual way. I don't, you know, right now to me, the experience of turquoise is incredible and I'm far clear in my humility to my disconnection from turquoise, except for in like brief glimpses I've had. I've had brief glimpses that are like instants or little satori's, and those are wonderful, but they also have shown me how far my day-to-day reality is <laughs> from that state regularly. Yeah, I remember when I first read Eckhart Tolle, it was two years ago, two and a half, yeah. It was the power of now, and I, I could sense it was helpful in some way, but I felt so much resistance to it. And I, and when I reread it three months ago, it was a different story, it was like, like, Suddenly, I understood what he what it was talking about. You know, it's funny how we what you said. We fear the state of consciousness where that are above us, and we tend to disregard the lower state. Yeah, totally. And like, what, sometimes I think about also. I don't know if it's true, and I'm not against having a partner that's in a different color spectrum. But I also sometimes wonder when it says he's finding me. Like that could be physically, that could be psychologically, that could be relationally, that could be in the colors, right? Because that could be pretty bizarre and out there. I understand how people that are seeing it in other colors are seeing it because I've seen life that way too. So I understand. I'm not like, you know, afraid of how they're seeing the world. It doesn't reflect how I'm seeing the world anymore, but I'm not afraid of it. But if I've never seen the world... I found turquoise incredibly boring sounding before I hit the wall. Like I was like, that sounds like the most boring. You just sit and accept what is. You're not visualizing. You're not creating. You're not choosing. Like to my mind was, yeah, what's the point? What's the point? To me, it was like before and I was in shiny yellow. It's like the point is to be in the sandbox and create sandcastles. That's what we're here for. So let's just enjoy all the stuff. And then I got enough of this stuff where I was like, okay, this is all there is. This is kind of boring. You know, and so now it's about something that's beyond just manifesting or really what it is. It's not about beyond manifesting. It's beyond choosing the manifestations. Mm. So I'm opening up to allowing the manifestations to show up without my choice being as involved in a conscious way. So, yes, I still have like obviously had a lot of time thinking about how I'd love to have a career I love or a partner I love and stuff like that. But it's learned for me, it's now letting go and just allowing things to show up for me and being more open to things that I couldn't have even have thought of before or imagined were possible before and not choosing with the mind so much. Sounds like a beautiful program. Yeah, that's the a Surrender Experiment by Michael Singer is a great example of living life like that. It's like all the juicy stuff are beyond the mind. Yeah, I feel like that. Yeah, I I agree. I agree. True love, true creativity, happiness and joy are beyond the mind. And maybe that's why the mind is so scared of letting go of control. <laughs> because it doesn't want us to know that it's so fun without it. Yeah, it doesn't. I think it's just trying to do a really good job. And it's scared that it's letting us down. So it's trying to do an even better job. But it's not its job, you know? It's like a little two-year-old trying to take care of its parent. Or like, let's say a four-year-old, because two is really young. Four. Like a four-year-old trying to take care of its parent. The parent has a lot of um, issues, and so a little kid is trying to take care of the parent and parent the parent. But that's not the job of the kid. 
nor are they capable of really taking care of the parent. But they're doing their best and they're really worried they're going to do a bad job. That's to me, if I had to summarize how the mind thinks, at least for me, I have like a lot of compassion for it because it really wants to do a good job. It doesn't want to hurt me. It wants to do a perfect job and it can't because it's not meant to do what it's trying to do, which is solve the future. I have a question coming up to me. It's about healing because you mentioned it before and I share your opinion on it. Like, I don't like to think of myself as of in need of healing, but I do know that I have those unconscious programs in me that sometimes are blocking my growth. And I was wondering, my intuition doesn't really call me to go to RTT or something similar. It tells me that I can handle it myself in some way. But whenever I try, it's like the mind creeps back in again and and start making really stories about past lives. And it's not that I don't buy into past lives, but I don't see how it can help me, you know, overcome something in the present to dwell into hypothetical past lives. So I was wondering if you had some protocol when you feel you touch something very strong, like a resistance or something that's It's not part of you, but it was registered by your subconscious. How do you release it by yourself? Well, okay, first I'll say, I think there are people that have had massive liberations through things like a healing from a past life or regression or RTT. And I would never ever, like, for example, we had a, a person from Flow with Intention do RTT and they got rid of their Crohn's disease. A few people I think have done it now at this point. And I would never take away that experience from that person and say they shouldn't have done RTT and they should have just said it with their head. So like, I think there are many amazing healings that do happen through modalities. And I believe in the guidance of the inner voice to guide us to the experience that's right for us in that present moment in time. So I am currently now, even though I've tried all those things, I'm literally an RTT hypnotherapist, like I... You know, like I think it's great and I loved that journey. For me now, I'm much more selective and I much more rarely go to a modality versus having compassion for the mind and watching it in its dirtiness, in its brokenness, and not trying to fix it anymore. But if you told me that I could get rid of my acne in one hypnotherapy session, I'd be doing it. <laughs> But I don't think that there is, I've done it on like tangentially related aspects of the acne and I've done a theta healing on the acne and I still have acne at the moment. That said, I've gotten rid of other aspects and I think it's all kind of an interwoven thing. So I'm in compassion with the things and I'm in alignment with my inner being for the most part, not telling me to do modalities anymore. But what's interesting about like my unfolding because of the acne and my whole journey with that, one of the things I've been most recently led to was A, asking my own inner voice what I should do for it, which told me to eat fruits, apples and pears and put vinegar on my face, which I thought was weird. But then um, someone sent me The Medical Medium by Anthony Williams and his work and his podcast and books speak to eating fruits as a huge part of helping with PCOS and with acne. 
And I was amazed because that's what my inner voice said. But he has like a whole like far wiser, like broader understanding of all of this health stuff from the voice of compassion that he hears from. But anyways, I was pretty amazed. And he says vinegar is great for the skin. So I was like, whoa, the fact that my inner voice said the same things that he's prescribing was magical to me. But that made me question because before in my shiny yellow phase, I thought all thoughts were affecting, the beliefs were affecting our subconscious systems. The system, the subconscious has the beliefs and it also has the bodily systems and they're all woven in. So I thought if you can just change the beliefs, you can also change the systems. So I did get some progress with that. And when I listen from Anthony of Medical Medium's perspective on acne, he says it's streptococcus, it's strep, like strep throat. I had strep throat so much I had my tonsils out when I was young. So did my brother. And both my brothers went on Accutane. I was about to go on Accutane. So the interesting thing for strep as a young child, and that's what is now flaring up now, his answer to that makes total sense with my own life experience. And his description of the protocol to heal aligned with my own inner voice's guidance. So I was like, highly interested in what he shared. But it made me question the whole idea that my beliefs were causing these things, right? And now what I've realized is I think it's, I'm adding, you know what it's like? It's like a, a band or an orchestra. So at first I just heard one instrument. And so I was like, that's the song. I hear the beat, that's the song. And then I heard another instrument. I was like, oh, there's a piano too. I didn't hear the piano at first. So it's adding more complexity. And now I'm hearing the violin, you know? So I used to think it was kind of just a few instruments. And then when he added the whole like Epstein-Barr or heavy metals or streptococcus, when he added these other bacteria and viruses and elements playing into our mix of health, that added another element to my orchestra. And then I kind of pondered this whole perception I had before and how does that fit or not fit with this, right? Because I used to think it's all mental, emotional, and he's saying there's a physical thing that's going on too. And the reason the foods aren't good to eat is because the strep is eating it. And I was like, well, that makes a lot more sense than my body not being able to digest it. Okay, I get that. But still, why is it that this is showing up for me? And Here's my new possible theory here is that it's both are true, that yes, I could have strep and that could be the reason for the acne. Yet, and still also, our immune systems are here to regulate things like Epstein-Barr virus or streptococcus, right? So where the immune system is compromised in our bodies and how that a compromised immune system creates a physical manifestation in our bodies as a disease or something that's gone wrong out of out of harmony. My new theory is that yes, we all have bacteria in our bodies and viruses in our bodies and they're, you know, flaring up in different ways at different times. In part, the immune system, whether or not we're in emotional mental harmony is creating disharmony in certain aspects and localities within our bodies. And that's where the compromised immune system from an immensal possibly or emotional or limiting belief space might be interplaying with these other factors. So it's like, it's kind of like, yes, there's strep and yes, there's maybe Epstein-Barr and inflammation and autoimmune, but like where those symptoms, because it's also interesting, like he'll give strep, a pretty wide variety of symptoms, he'll attribute to that. 
or he'll give like Epstein-Barr, a pretty wide variety of symptoms will be rooted from that. And it's like, well, why does this person have eczema and this person have pariasis and this person have acne? Not that those are all three the same root thing, but I find it kind of interesting that the symptoms are showing up in different forms for different people. And I wonder if part of that like I said, stems back to where the immune system gets compromised is then where those diseases or bacteria flare up the most is because of the mental emotional state affecting that physical part of our body. And then that's where it's more likely to become proliferated in a way that's not useful to us. Mm, so the best of both worlds <laughs> in a way. I guess so. I don't know. Or like the more complicated, nuanced reality we might actually live in. It might not have been as simplistic as I previously thought. That's basically what I realized. Yeah, it's not all like Lewis Hay healing <laughs> through love. I find that at Lewis Hay's work, okay, so those beliefs to me would be the areas where the immune system's getting compromised, right? So that's where it's weaker in the immune system, and that's where the area where something that is out of alignment could show up. So I'm not saying that it's just that, though, right? Yeah, like I think that. It resonates for me personally that those foods that a lot of people avoid to have clear skin do help people have clear skin. And it resonates to me that it's because those foods help feed the viruses or bacteria that is the reason to avoid it versus the reason is to avoid it because of a emotional belief. That said, I've had friends that have allergies that they've done RTT and they found that the allergies had to do with the subconscious trying to adapt themselves to be like their parents more because they had the same allergies and they wanted to be like them. So it wasn't genetic. It was actually trying to identify and to align with a parental personality profile in the subconscious state. And then they released it. So there's a lot more going on, I think, than any one thing we might think. And it's like, there's a lot of instruments and I now have the humility to say, there may be even more instruments than that than I even comprehend at play, right? If there's this one and that one, who's to say there's not more instruments that I yet can't hear? Mm, yeah. So how are you feeling on dating? If you think about going back to Mr. Wonderful's on his way and I can just read books when I wanna read books and go to bed when I wanna go to bed and date when I wanna date, how do you feel about that possibility of your life right now? I'm really excited. And in a way, it, it feels so natural. It's like right now I see the mind going on on his rant and I can distance myself from that. I can disconnect from the mind and the mind can have anxiety and think about the future, but it's not me. Yes, your awareness is separated. And when it does do that, you can say, of course, the mind is worried about being at Barnes and Noble reading alone, right? Of course, it's worried that Mr. Wonderful is never showing up. Of course it is. How could it not? It's not connected to love and connection to all things. So of course it would do that and have compassion for it. Instead of uh, fighting it or feeling bad about it, of course, the mind wants to eat five cookies when I'm not hungry. <laughs> oh, gosh. And also, I think it's helpful to not restrict oneself. So there was a period where I did like, I didn't date or go on the dating, like Bumble as a dating app. I didn't go on any of those experiences. And I noticed that the mind in me was just thinking about the last person I dated. So every day the mind would drain itself 
emotionally on the last person I dated, even though I didn't want to date him anymore and we weren't dating, it still drained myself on it. And so then I decided, you know what? My mind's never going to let go of this chew toy. So I'm just going to date new people because then at least it will have something new to think about instead of the last guy. So then I started going on dates. This was in London in the summer. And so I started going on dates. And at one point I was just like, it was wonderfully liberating because <laughs> for me, the mind in me was so attached, but I realized it wasn't attached to this person. It was attached to dating and filling itself up. So if I went on on a new date, it would get attached to the new guy. <laughs> and so I was like, well, I'm just going to keep, if this isn't the right guy, I'm just going to keep dating someone new right now. And then it it'll just keep like, it won't get attached to the wrong person and stay attached to the wrong person. So at one point I went on like seven dates in seven days or five dates in seven days or a lot of dates and not a lot of days for me. That was a lot. I think guys I've met have tended to do that more than I have done it. Not everyone does, but I've, you know, I, it was a lot for me, but it was kind of interesting because I never got attached to one guy. If it wasn't the right guy, I just let it go. And I was like, man, I think this is how like some of the guys I've been dating are dating. They're just like, all right, this is interesting. It's a great date or it's not. And then they, they just move on and they just date someone new if it's not the right person. I was like, wow, what a liberation. Instead of just thinking about how this last guy who wasn't quite right is the one I'm just going to keep thinking about. And then I kind of got bored with it too. You know, like I did it and I enjoyed it, but then I was kind of getting, it wasn't special anymore. It wasn't as exciting as it used to be. And I wasn't looking for my partner anymore. I was just enjoying the experience until I was like, I had all the cookies I wanted to have, you know, it was really nice. And then it stopped being so exhausting because I wasn't so attached anymore. I don't know. And I'm not saying for you, you're in a situation where you are dating one person right now. So I'm not saying to go do that. But for me, that was a stage that was really healthy, was just to let myself go do all of that. So now I'm not quite as interested in going on dates like every day of the week. That's fine. I don't need to do that. But sometimes I go on them. And now it's about learning how to let go when it's someone that has a great start, but doesn't keep staying great. You know, where it's like, okay, the differences come out or like the clarity becomes clear. Now it's about letting go in peace and not just in a single one or two dates, but like someone that I really connected with for a period of time, like letting that go when it's clear. So I'm kind of doing what you're doing, learning how to let go even after I've kind of had a really great bonding or a real great connection, but just letting that be a short-term great connection. Yeah. <sighs> Sounds good. <laughs> right? And then when it doesn't work out, then we're like, go back to reading the books all the time and go back to going to bed early as often as you want, right? Yeah, so it's really that simple. It really is. It's just the mind's inability to accept that and having compassion for it. How could it know any differently? Yeah, it's beyond love. <laughs> I will remember. For that one. <laughs> it's beyond love. That's what it said. It feels understanding, but it's beyond love. Love is all there is, but it's beyond that. And it's looking for understanding. So yeah, are there any final questions or anything that you'd like to ask or share or learn or ask your inner voice? I really feel fine. I really want to thank you because you are such an inspiration to me. And I feel like you're constantly a few steps ahead of me. So you are kind of showing the way, which makes me stepping into it very much more comfortable, you know, because I, I've seen you do it and I tell myself, all right, so I can do it too. And 
I've been listening to your podcast and I, I love sensing the transition between 2016-17 Jess, who was often mentioning what you said before, like, uh, I want a partner, I'm looking for someone, uh, and then letting go of it. I really felt that. And uh, I think I can do that too. I think it's still for me like an interesting daily process because I really let go of like finding the partner and then I met this guy and we had a great connection and I was like whoa maybe the universe is bringing that around and then it's become clear that it's probably not it and so it's about like letting this go gracefully as I did in the long-term relationships and being able to yeah, be open to it never happening or just having a series of smaller connections, like shorter, shorter term, shorter term connections that can be meaningful and enjoyable. But the only thing stopping me from enjoying the short term connections is the fear of loss. But it's like if I could get over that, then I could really live that description you gave as well. I'm pretty good about being single and I'm good at very like brief dating that's where my comfort is at right now. So the part that I get to continue to recognize and give non-resistance to is those times and moments where someone sparks something. And But this is also like, I don't, like we said, it's not really healing, but I'm like, oh, this is where I have that resistance. And I, if I can relax in this and release this, then there's even less resistance and even less, and even less, and even less to whatever end. At least there's less. <laughs> and I feel you've completely 100%. I feel like we're in very similar places right now. So I commend you, and I don't feel three steps ahead of you on this one. I feel exactly with you step by step in this. Okay. Uh, I feel it's really moving <laughs> because it makes me feel connected. I think it's crazy that people who basically meet on the internet, we haven't seen each other, but we still get to connect on a deep emotional level. We got the same color backpack, girl. It's not that different. Yeah. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you very much. And there you have it. Thank you so much for listening, and thank you, Kasha, for coming on the show. If you want to find me on Instagram, Snapchat, or Twitter, you can find me at Jess C, as in Cinnamon Spice Latte Lively. And if you want to find Kasha on Instagram, you can find her at Kasha, K-A-S-I-A, underscore 1984K. And for show notes for this episode, head over to JessLively.com slash Kasha Kaczynski with a K-O-Z-I-N-S-K-I. Now for what I'm up to next, I'm recording a lively adventure year two with Megan, our wonderful videographer, here in Detroit next week. So excited to do that as a follow-up to everything that's happened in the year one of a lively adventure. And if you haven't checked that out already, you can also go over to livelyadventure.com to hear year one and talks about kind of the personal behind the scenes memoir style stories that I don't share here on the show because it doesn't feel like the right format and place to do so. Yes, I share a lot of stuff here, but there are more personal topics that I like to do in this more memoir and really behind the scenes, really personal, not necessarily always with some big lesson attached that you might be able to use, but just sharing my real deal, like phone conversation with a good friend being Megan kind of deal. That's what this lively adventure is all about. And year two has had many untold stories within it. And I'm excited to record with her coming up this week. Until next week, may something wonderful happen to you today. 